0: What is going on, people? It's the Fly Life Podcast. I'm your host, Martin Novak, and this is episode 21. Before we get into this week's episode, I have a quick announcement. Next week, I'm going to be doing a QA and a episode, and if you want to ask a question, then keep a lookout on my Instagram and Facebook. I'll put a post on there about the Q&A, and then if you do ask a question, you'll automatically be entered to win a Typhoon 32 ESC and uh, my fav- that'll be random. And then my favorite question will get a sticker pack uh, of Fly Life stickers. So make sure to ask a question. You can automatically win an ESC. So that's pretty cool. And I've been getting a lot of questions recently from people about tuning and video editing and podcasting and all these topics. So feel free to ask me anything. Just keep it respectful and try not to make it, you know, like give it some thought. Otherwise, I might call you out. So stay tuned with that. and You could win an ESC. All right, let's get into it. For this week, I have Chris Teal, aka Westside FPV, on the show to talk about all his long-range shenanigans, and really all his shenanigans. This guy's really turning into a to be a force to be reckoned with in FPV. He's getting everything dialed from cinematic uh whoops, the three-inch kind of builds to long-range uh, Richard Shelton rigs, um, down to like color grading and stuff. I think he's progressing a lot, and he just got off a stint of like thirty-eight days in a row of doing edits which is crazy commitment and they weren't just insta edits either they were like real youtube edits so during the episode we talk about that whole thing his setups uh for long range he's also a racer so we dive into that and uh a whole lot of other stuff including his personal life and whatnot so i hope you guys enjoy the episode and i'll see you next week cool sick man sweet man so uh tell the people where you're from, what you do and who you are. Well uh
1: so originally um I'm a SoCal boy. I was born in Burbank, um, grew up in Rancho Cucamonga. Um lived pretty much, you know, in all uh, all over, you know, LA area growing up, you know, until I was thirteen and then I uh moved to Wyoming for a little bit and that was pretty uh desolate and kind of culture shock for sure.
0: I bet, dude. Wyoming is and, like yeah country western yeah. kansas
1: <laughs> oh yeah you know i developed a uh you know a nice country accent before too long you know hanging out with the people i did but no, i got you know it was it was interesting to to go from you know the most populated state to the least populated state
0: especially at that age it was too interesting
1: yeah 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 but yeah and then uh, i realized that that wasn't for me so i moved back to california and at that point i'm like getting over people like people are just kind of like just overrun California now you know it's just too many you know you know and I'm an electrician too so I would have to sit in traffic to get to jobs you know in the morning and at night Yep. and uh yeah I had opportunity to come up here to Colorado and I took it I'd never even been to Colorado when I moved here
0: just straight out of wind just
1: Yep. I had a buddy that, that that had open garage for me and my dog and that's all I needed, you know, so.
0: And I take it, did you come out here for an electrician job?
1: Um, That, and I also, you know, down in California, I started wiring up grow rooms and just kind of fell into uh, growing, you know, medical cannabis for, you know, grow ops, and that's kind of what brought me here, was in search of that, you know, I wanted to do it legally, so why not come to where it was legal?
0: Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, it probably worked out ever since. Things have been pretty great here concerning legal weed. <laughs> Exactly, you know. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, I do, I do like, electrical work, you know, that's really my main source of income, and then you know, I have my own DJ business, I'll, you know, so I'll go do weddings for my friends or, you know, parties or, you know, events at the college, they have a, a lot, and
0: that's it's good, great. I try to
1: keep busy, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of the grow rooms, do you, like, grow your own, or do you, like, set up grow rooms with your electrician background? So
1: I started out just kind of setting them up because most of them that I had been to, uh, you know, at that point were just really, like, it was very sketch, you know, like, that you could tell, like, these guys that didn't know what they were doing were trying to do electrical, you know, hookups, and they were doing it improperly and unsafe, and, and so I was, like, ended up being this guy's, like, you know, just solo electrician. I would just go to his, you know, setups and make sure that they were, you know, up to code and whatnot. And one day he's like, "Hey man, like I need some help. You want to learn how to grow?" I was like, uh, "Sure," you know. I'd been growing my own at that point. Um, you <laughs> Internal know, a of
0: Fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. You know, I I had dreams like that was my my dream at one point. You know. Yeah. It was to it was to do like big grow ups and, but no, it's cool. Like the gig I got here in Colorado is very mellow. You know, um, it's it's very professional, which I appreciate and it allows me a lot of free time to you know fly my quads which is awesome
0: yeah and you live you know like for the people that don't know Colorado Chris lives on the western slope and I live on the eastern slope which is like almost feels like a state away like it's like a pilgrimage to get to the other side and like the scenery is so different like you live like if you you know you live in like Utah pretty much
1: yeah I'm closer to Moab than I am Denver you know
0: yeah, and, like, you're so much closer to even, like, getting to Vegas or, like, even California. Uh, exactly.
1: Like, you know, eight hours to Vegas. Just, you know, I'm, I'm actually heading down there tomorrow with uh, Virgin. We're going to go surprise the hot dog crew.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, this isn't out until next Wednesday, so it'll still be a surprise. Hell yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> I figured that, but... Yeah. But,
1: yeah. I, I I had to play it cool tonight on the live stream. Yeah, you know, it's just... I had to be like,
0: oh, I'm mad at you guys. Yeah. Work's going to suck tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um when you moved out here were you wait what year was that actually?
1: Um it was like 6 years ago.
0: Okay, so you probably weren't flying yet.
1: No, I
0: was not. Any like RC or like anything like that or
1: um, I did a lot of RC stuff when I was young. You know, like I remember you remember those XMOD RC cars. I had a Dude, bunch of those.
0: I am so glad you brought that up. I just found my old box, <laughs> and I spent like a weekend trying to put like the three cars I had into one working one, but I couldn't get yeah, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the thing with those things was like they just broke. RC yeah. cars, they just broke. I had like, you know, the – I remember when they came out with the uh, – like the super bike, the RC super bike that would actually, like, ride up on two wheels. It had, like, a gyros in the wheels or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I had so much fun with that thing. And, um, you know, I, I just always had multiple, multiple RC things. And well, I remember one time I, like, took, like, three different things apart and made, like, an RC boat, like, way back when I was probably, like, 10 or 11. You know, it was, like, complete junk, but it was still... You know the early, the early t- you know learnings yeah. of FPV. You know
0: the the tinkering, just the inherent tinker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's pretty sick. Um, so what year did you get into into FPV?
1: Um, what it was uh, two years ago, maybe two and a half, uh, two Christmases ago, I guess you could say.
0: And did you um, have like the basic? And- I saw a video or something like that and got into so it. So
1: that that's when I bought myself my, my first FPV drone. I had had like little toy drones and you know like sharper image ones. Or yeah, like yeah. I remember I found this one on Amazon. It was like forty bucks. That I bought like three or four of them because I just had so much fun with them, just ripping ripping them around. You know, like auto level in my front yard, line of sight, and yeah, I just had tons of fun. I remember I would like tell all my friends. I'm like, man, I'm gonna build me a, a freestyle racing drone one day. And everyone's like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, and, <dude. laughs> yeah, and then, you know, it's now it's, it's become, you know, part of my life, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it's cool that you moved out to Colorado. Like, Wyoming would have been sick minus the wind. But where you live is a pretty epic spot to, like, have a backdrop for any sort of FPV experience. That's, that's kind of the
1: crazy thing was I moved to Grand Junction not even realizing it's, like – one of the best places to, you know, be an FPV, you know, it's, it's like a mini city, but we still, you know, it takes 15 minutes to get to one of my favorite long range spots, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's like the desert kind of long range spots where it's like, people don't really give a shit about anything, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like you, I don't know what the desert law is. And it's all, it's all, you can shoot guns out there and shit, you know? Yeah. it's it's, it's,
1: It's next to the rifle range, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty cool, you know, and all the spots that we fly, I think they're very uh, deceiving because they look like they're super, like, hard to get to and this and that. If I went down, it really isn't that hard to retrieve most of the places I fly, you know?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just... I like, do, like,
1: uh, like my, my favorite stuff is mid-range, you know, like, under two miles, like, under a mile and a half. Like, that's my favorite because at that point, I'm comfortable enough that I'll go walk and retrieve my quad. So I'm gonna get lower and faster and hit the gaps. I'm you know not gonna hit two miles out.
0: Yeah, you're not just like commuting. Yeah. Um. So when you first got into FPV out there in Grand Junction, what was like your? <clears throat> I just bought my first racing drone to like starting to fly farther out because I'm, I'm sh- like, did you? You didn't probably didn't start on Crossfire and whatnot, like the whole set. Oh no! Oh
1: yeah. no! No, I I remember I had the Eachine Wizard in my cart from Banggood and I like looked at how long it was gonna take to get here and I was like, Man, screw that. So I basically researched what parts were in it and ordered all the parts off Amazon Just and cloned it, to you know. clone. <laughs> exactly, dude. That's exactly what I did, you know. Um and I I flew that line of sight way longer than I should have you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like I didn't get FPV gear right away, I remember, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this in stages, because I thought that was the way to go, at that point, I had no idea about simulators, like, I just didn't know, or I did know, and I couldn't get my, I had the fly sky radio, and I couldn't get the, the radio to hook up to liftoff, for yeah, some reason, yeah. and so I just, you know, and when I did try to actually learn FPV, you know, acro, Man, it took so long. It probably took five days of me going out and crashing and breaking my quad and having to, you know, fix something to bring it back out to learn. So once I got it, it was, it was a, you know, that, that sense of accomplishment. All right, this is what you were after. You finally got it, you know. And I really just flew around parks because I th- thought that was, you know, the majority of what pilots did. You know, that's what I saw, you know, some steel videos or some drip videos. We didn't really have, you know, buildings over here, so can't really go dive buildings. And then, you know, I started seeing some TBS stuff, you know. They were flying crazy mountains, and, you know, I was like, man, we got some cool stuff like that over here. What do I got to do to do that? Yeah. And I remember I bought an RXSR. Up until this point, I was using XM Pluses, you know. Um, And I bought an RXSR and put uh, the RSSI in my OSD and i feel like that completely changed the game for me that was when i was like okay now, now i can see how far i can go you know so i took that out probably maybe a mile once and i i came back and i landed and i'm like okay i want crossfire you know yeah. and i went home and bought crossfire you know like and that's kind of just where it started and, yeah do you, you know, and you got
0: into racing too
1: right yeah, I like to do it all, you know, I feel like they all help each other, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, as we can see in like some of the DRL pilots, and really just some of like the best pilots out there, Yeah, dope at both. But um, my,
1: my main, main, main like goal with flying these things is, is, I love pushing a camera around in the air, you know, I know you're, you're very similar, you like to get the fucking awesome stuff, you know, the awesome footage,
0: you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like the like the would you do it if you couldn't record it the way you can, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like yeah. I love flying tiny whoops, but I'm not like diehard over it, like, no offense, Jesse. Yeah. But it's not like after a week of yeah. not flying <laughs> my tiny whoop, I'm not like, you know, scratching my neck just freaking out a little bit. You internally. have your tiny
1: whoop to bring out when all your buddies are like, Hey man, like Yeah, it's like the tiny whoop is like
0: the you know? res hit for when you don't have weed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah exactly or it's you know negative 40 out like a lot of the united states
0: yeah man and like this time of year yeah i mean
1: considering that that they got dumped and and frozen out it was nice over here
0: yeah we like the colorado version like it's super cold and snowy for two days Mm -hmm. that's bad and then it's like back to sunny like today it was like negative 14 in the morning and then the sun came out by like three and the snow was melting off my car I was like, okay, mm-hmm. it's not too bad. Um, but so you want to get like – or like move the camera around in the sky. And I was just looking through your YouTube channel, and you had the video of chasing the base jumpers.
1: Oh, yeah, man. That is some fun stuff right there.
0: Yeah, talk me through that. Like how did that come about? You know, how, what was it like? Um, so
1: my buddy uh, Virgin, um, another uh, MB pilot, he uh, randomly one day – um, hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm in contact with these base jumpers. And it was just kind of like a cool thought. We were both like, oh, man, wouldn't that be cool to, like, film some base jumpers. And it finally worked out one day. Um, the first day I went out and did it, it was semi-successful. Like, it was really cloudy and the lighting wasn't optimal. And they only jumped once. Um, but the second time I did it um, at Mount Garfield here in Grand Junction, like, overlooking the whole valley, that was really cool. It was really ro- right after i got my seven so i put it in 240 you know so i got him jumping off the cliff and his parachute opening in 240 you know that was really cool um but it's very nerve-wracking because you don't want to hit these guys and take them out you know
0: yeah it's like a different cut co- like i've never done base jumpers and i think that would be a little bit crazier because their movements are kind of unpredictable especially right in the moment of the shoot opening you know yeah, it when can like shoot spin. opens, it
1: opens above them. Exactly. Yeah. That's why, you know, I always try to stay to the side when their shoot op- opens, and then once their shoot opens, like I've seen you chase some some dudes in the sky. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to bring up was chasing Christian Avedon, no FPV. He's been getting into paragliding, and so that was that him. awesome, dude and that was you know like they were going super slow and it was like 25 miles an hour so it was perfect but it definitely puts it into perspective it's like the worst thing i have to do with is like going to going to best buy and like hitting up get fpv or something and for them it's like a whole exactly. different level like i haven't been that kind of nervous with an fpv quad in, like in a long time
1: mhm mhm absolutely because it's not just broken stuff for you it's potential hazardous you know extreme Worst case scenario for somebody else.
0: And then living with it you for know, a lifetime.
1: And, and, live it, and living with it. And you'd you probably know. also but, r- you know, ruin
0: FPV for yourself. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, virgin has been pushing it. He
1: has over 100 uh, jumps filmed. He's the master at the base jumping film.
0: Yeah. Man, I'll have to get him on uh, here sometime.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, he actually won the GoPro uh, Awards and won that money from GoPro. How much did he win? Uh eighteen grand. That's a good deal.
0: That's a fresh build and a half for sure.
1: Yeah, he he split it with the guy that he shot the the parachute gap. That's super fair.
0: Thank God he wasn't like, Yeah, sorry man, came in second. (laughs) 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 Um do you have any
1: cool the the million dollar awards are pretty cool that the GoPro uh, GoPro does just, you know, they split a million dollars between however many videos they think are, are worthy, and it's a cool way to show love, you know, and I'm glad they do it.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of introduces, you know, like, a, how do we do something with all these videos that we're making, right? Like, all of us FPVers, like a, but we really need people like GoPro, like, latching on to some of these, and it's slowly starting to happen more and more, and then, like, spreading it to the masses, because, like you know like how far does it go and stuff like that is kind of we need to move past that part of fpv well it's
1: cool we have like, like you know like you know big big faces at the front of this whole movement you know johnny and airblaster putting out some like incredible stuff lately you know like that dune buggy shot from Air Blaster was ridiculous
0: mind-bendingly sick yeah yeah. It I, just proves that you can do crazy
1: things with these cameras and we're really just scratching the surface, you know.
0: Yeah. How do you think uh how do you think he did it, man? Just buttery, real steady and perfect timing? He was for sure using a
1: three sixty cam. He had to have been, you know. Yeah. And just froze it, froze it right there, rotated the frame, and then kept going, you know, speed ramped out of it. So sick.
0: Have you messed around with three sixty cams tricks. at all?
1: I have, and I want one very bad. I want to get rapid fire first, yeah. and then I'll probably get a 360 cam.
0: Yeah, I want to get a 360 cam too, but they're, I mean, that new Insta-X one came out, which isn't, it's That's not tiny. as big, but it's definitely an awkward shape. Yeah, it's, you know,
1: not not a GoPro that you can just sit on top of your quad. Or...
0: Yeah, definitely, and it just seems like with that shape, you'll just snap off, you know, like it's just so vulnerable Absolutely. out there um totally. and gopros at this stage are built for like world war Two, i think compared to like a four yeah. silver back in the day that would just like shatter into a thousand pieces oh yeah It'd just blow up like i bought a couple <laughs> yeah. of those
1: uh those those fake gopros you know those sj cams for you know 40 50 bucks and yeah you would get one crash and they would just just like it disintegrate you know
0: yeah, yeah. parts go flying um, what, what kind of setup did you use for the base jumping videos, like your quad setup?
1: Um, so my favorite setup, it's like my go-to camera rig when I want to get, you know, awesome footage if it's decently far out is the MV Epic 229, the V2 with the carbon arms. Um running the 2207, 2450s on China Hobby Line 5S 1500s, the mini stars. Uh, the Genfan fifty five fifty twos are the only props that go on that thing. Those things are awesome. Um, and, yeah, Crossfire. I just upgraded to the the full or the, the light actually from the micro
0: not too long ago. Oh nice. That's pretty sick. Um what kind of flight times do you get on that setup with the, you said a fifteen hundred?
1: Yeah. Um it varies. It depends on the flight style. You know, if I want to I can get, you know, five, six minutes out of it, but that's boring, you know, lazy, put you put yourself to sleep kind of flying. um I like two to four minute flights. that's what I aim for. that's when you're hauling ass the whole time and it's exciting footage to watch. you know it's hard to like turn away when you're just going super fast, low to the ground. you're yeah. just waiting you know you're just waiting to crash, you know, and when it when it when you don't, it's awesome,
0: yeah, what's your worst <clears throat> long range crash experience?
1: Um, probably my 229. I had a, uh, a homemade pagoda on it, and it was super long and super heavy on the end. And I, like, tightened it down a little bit, and I, like, looked at it, and I'm like, man, that might fall into the props. But I just, like, tightened it a little bit more and sent it anyways, and... I like went out. I knew to go gentle, so I was being gentle. And I like came over back to where we were standing, and I started doing some acro. And I think me going back and forth, rolling, I think it loosened the, the antenna, and it you know took my quad out of the air. It just started tumbling, and it, we got actually fairly lucky. And it wasn't even that bad, but I say it was my worst um, long range um, recovery. My my worst probably quad retrieval though was when I had to climb the palm trees at Rockahula Water Park.
0: Wow, climbing a palm tree that would have been brutal, man.
1: Well, I tried to get you know a tree service to come out there, but they wanted like three four hundred dollars because it's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, so I I went on offer up and bought some tree spikes and climbed that tree and got my it's quad like back.
0: Committed, dude. How tall was yeah. the tree? Forty feet. Damn, was it, it was pretty scary one. being up there, man? Oh, so scary. Yeah.
1: I had a uh, 10-foot stick of PVC that I used, so I didn't have to get all the way up. But even 30 feet up, the first time using tree spikes, I was nervous.
0: Yeah, man. How was it? Was it way worse coming back down? Um, Yeah, because I was exhausted
1: from just trying to get this thing out of the tree, you know?
0: Yeah. just. Like, and uh, it
1: was like 100 and, 120 out in the desert, middle of the day yeah
0: how long was it. the time between like it getting stuck like how long did it take you to get the tree spikes and come back out there three days oh, okay
1: i was I- on my way down to huntington beach to visit my dad and i'd stopped at this place that i'd seen all the rotor ride pilots fly i was like "Ooh, i'm gonna fly there and i had awesome footage through the day and it was definitely one of the, the last pack cursed days i remember saying it too i was like all right one more i was i had my girlfriend with me and i was like all right one more pack and then we'll go and i went up and like within 10 seconds i was in the top of this tree and it had like all the footage from my trip down yeah it was it was sad yeah i really wanted the footage i just kept telling myself like oh, just i hope the sd
0: card falls out
1: onto the ground
0: yeah dude that'd be horrible too because like you imagine finding an sd card like, even finding a GoPro <laughs> separated from a quad in a long-range crash it's, can be a feat. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, I've
1: lost a GoPro uh, smoking a tree up on uh, the Mesa over here, the, the, you know, where we get snow, and Padrehorn is our ski resort. But I was flying around, and I flew a little bit too long, and my TPU got really cold, and I smoked the top of this pine tree, and I was able to fly back, but... When I landed, I didn't have a GoPro on.
0: Could you tell it all before you landed, or were you like, do you think no. you made it out scotch-free, and then you got back I, and I were like,
1: I was like, Shit. I was like, I was like, I'm good, and I like looked down, and it took me a second to like,
0: oh man, that is yeah. gone. Yeah, that's straight to the heart, man. Yeah. Have you ever tried to go back and look for it or anything? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like,
1: confirmed. <laughs> we looked like uh, like a week later, and. At that point, there was four feet of snow, so a GoPro coming down from 40, 50 feet is just going to go straight three, four feet in, and you'll never see it. Even yeah. if you're standing right next to it, you're not going to see it. Definitely. And then we, we went back after it thawed, and it was just like grown brush, and no way you're going to find it. So. Yeah,
0: maybe like 10 years from now, someone will find it and return it to you. Yeah. yeah. Hey. I, I have my uh,
1: phone number and address at right now, at least.
0: On the I'm my phone number. Yep. Yeah. Um, GoPro made a video recently of a mountain biker, Aaron Chase, like finding a GoPro at a bike resort and taking it back to the guy. And it was like six or seven years later or something.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. The guys, it was like kids and a family and they're like hanging out in the driveway, washing cars. And he walks up and he's just like, oh, hey guys, did you guys lose this GoPro like a long time ago? And they are they all just look at each other like, no way.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Super That's rad. cool.
0: Um... Yeah, man. Like and for those people that don't know where you live is like I mean, how big is the mesa or how tall is that? It's like a thousand feet at least. Um at least. You yeah. Know. And it's like what, a couple, maybe like two, three hundred feet of cliff and then just like a giant pitch.
1: Yeah, so so we have three different um structures basically inside of Grand Junction. You know, that's why they call it Grand Junction. It's it's got um you have the National Monument which is the world's largest flat top, um, you know, structure, uh, natural structure. And then you have Mount Garfield or the book cliffs, and that's where the base jumpers, um, from and I filmed them. And then we have the Mesa, which is like the forest and where the ski resorts at. And it's all, all within an hour, you know, all three different, and it's every, all three different places are completely different terrain. So it's, It's super awesome to be able to change scenery within, you know, a couple hours.
0: Yeah, and you got, like, I just, I so much prefer places with, like, you know, like nature and no people than, like, bandos and feeling sketch.
1: Dude, absolutely, man. You don't know what's going to happen in a bando. I've flown a couple times in bandos around here, and all the times I'm just, like, always, like, expecting to, like, somebody to walk up on us, you know.
0: Yeah, I've played way too much Call of Duty Zombies for this shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) It's how movies
1: start yeah um,
0: <laughs> have you but you make like pretty regular pilgrimages out west don't you like you're always yeah like headed I mean and you go pretty, you go California but I always see you do, doing like desert runs
1: Yep um, I was out in Vegas uh, for the holiday hangover um, a few weeks ago and then after that I went down to visit my dad at Huntington Beach and then we met up with virgin and we went down to uh, San Bernardino to the Saboba Speed park and we we're chasing some speed flyers um some speed gliders you know and that was pretty awesome that's going to be my next edit coming out still working on that um but yeah it was it was a cool adventure i think it was gone 10 days that it is was a too cool long adventure yeah it was too long i like i like short adventures i think
0: yeah i learned that this summer on my 3 week california road trip it was just yeah too much how long did it take you to drive to huntington beach from where you're at
1: oh it's like uh, 10 hours it's
0: not bad yeah it's not horrible
1: you could do it in a day you know
0: yeah definitely i did like um victorville just outside of la to uh summit county in a day but that was like never again i'm never doing that again Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and i've I've done one other long drive it was from uh, indianapolis to here and man kansas sucks dude
0: Dude, my mom lives in eastern Kansas, like, right against the Missouri border, just south of the city, oh, that and sucks. I drive out there, like, four times a year, and it's, like, if I could do it at night, it would probably be better.
1: That's, like, the worst drive I think I've ever done.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, like, I, I think visually the California drive is better, but I found it really funny yeah. that, like, for most of the Cali drive, it, like, repeats. Like, it's, like... Mm-hmm overpass cliffs gas station 10 miles it later. makes you
1: think like it, it just keeps your mind going you know rather than just flat land and you're just like, like there's nothing like yeah. nothing you know
0: yeah with the flat land like your clock is definitely staring back at you a bit more just like cause especially Absolutely. now that if you fly too because you're driving through that train and you're like ooh, look i did that <laughs> i can and fly I'm there like, yeah exactly dude it would be super sick. Yeah, whenever I'm uh,
1: on on road trips and I'm not driving, I always have my Google Maps open with pinpoints just waiting to drop, you know, yeah. spots I want to hit one day.
0: Yeah, do you have, like, uh, Google Maps of, like, all your spots that you have hit and want to hit? I, I'm
1: trying to keep track, and man, so far I've been doing pretty good about it, yeah.
0: Yeah, do you run GPS on, on your setups? So,
1: so I just got that set up not too long ago, and, yeah, I put them on my... Uh, 229 MI262 and it's already saved me from walking to the mountain.
0: Really? For sure. Oh wait, was it you that posted that video where you lost video for a second?
1: Yep, yeah. in Vegas um, yep. we were out like ripping this, this like shady side of this mountain and I chose the wrong you know, line and went completely black and for half a second I didn't do anything and then I remembered I had GPS on a switch so I just flipped my switches and it went straight up in the air, and it took like a few seconds to get video back, and I didn't know it was coming back. And then it came back, and I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: Everything, I'm sure that a few seconds can... felt like forever. Oh,
1: it felt like a minute, you know. Like, oh, I, I told myself, "Oh, there's, it's gone." Yeah. How far out were you? Oh, probably not that far. You know, yeah. I could have gotten it if it, it would have been, you know, an hour hike or something.
0: Yeah, man, that's like the thing. Yeah, it's always the time, like, all right, just pass the one-hour hike spot, two-hour hike spot, Mm -hmm. three-hour hike spot, all right, I'll bend it back here.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. Have you ever... Or or, uh, you got to come back tomorrow? Oh, dude, those are the worst. I always, like, I try to budget for that, right? And, like, in some cases you can't, like, if it's really snowy, sometimes you just can't look for a quad, but I... You know, like some days I'll consciously be like, "Hey, if I crash today, like on the road trip driving, I was like, I can't go look for my quad if I crash on this road trip." You know, like exactly.
1: That's how it was when I got stuck at Rockahula. I was like, "What am I gonna do?" I like,
0: yeah, I'm on a schedule. My GoPro,
1: like, yeah.
0: This place is close to no one.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can't be like, "Hey, buddy, I'll give you a hundred bucks to like go out, like you know, drive like five miles and go hit this place." It's like you got to go out to the desert. I promise, it's real. It's not sketch. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's and that's what you think. You're, you're calling these guys. You're like, um, "I'm stuck in a palm. My drone's stuck in a palm tree in the middle of the desert."
0: Yeah. Uh, um, okay. how far is that out of
1: town? <laughs> um, it's like an hour south of state line. Okay. Maybe a little bit less in between, like Prim and Baker. Where the thermometer is?
0: Yeah. Do you uh, besides the Indianapolis drive? Do you ever head east? Like, are you ever on this side of the divide? I come to Denver a lot. You
1: know, like I got a bunch of friends out there. I always go to the Red Rocks, come to shows. So yeah. But never, never passed Denver really.
0: There's never, no point. Really. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so like
1: you just get Kansas.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, to, like, so, like, I re- rarely ever head to your side of the Connell Divide, and, like, Sean Krantz is like, yeah, I never really come down to, like, the Front Range. Like, everybody just kind of stays in their little ecosystem and it's hangs because, out.
1: It's because Colorado is so awesome, you can be anywhere and enjoy where you're at.
0: Yeah, definitely true. And uh, and besides, like, Boulder and Denver, like, where you, me, and Sean Krantz live, it's, like, you know, Denver and Boulder is, like, mini California now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's just craziness, like especially Boulder. Denver's not too bad because it's a city with like infrastructure. Boulder's still got like two lane roads with 25 miles an hour and like no streetlights and uh-huh. shit, you know? And
1: traffic all day.
0: Yeah, man. I I, I work in Boulder. I got to drive there every day and it sucks. Yeah, uh, that's probably my favorite
1: part about Grand Junction is I have an eight minute drive to work every day, you know, and no traffic, Yeah, so you, it's nice.
0: You live in the part of, like, the country, like, I guess we both do, where, like, eight miles is eight minutes still, you know? Not, like, L.A., where, (laughs) like, eight miles is an hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, What I was going to ask you, too, for all your long-range stuff, how do you mount your uh, Crossfire antenna?
1: So, yeah, I just um, use the MB Epics, you know, so um, it has the captain's seat, which has the GoPro down low. Um, the FPV cam in the, uh, above that, and then the Mortal-T sits above that.
0: And it's horizontal, so I, right? I run a hor-
1: yeah, I run it horizontally, which I know is not optimal. But like I said, I all my stuff is under two miles. And under two miles, you can, like, mount that, uh, you know, Mortal-T anyway. And if you're cranking a watt, you're going to be fine. And what watt do you fly at? I'm um, usually 500 unless I'm, like, going extra far. I'll push it to one or two, you know.
0: Uh-huh. Do you've you, you done some you two, know, watt, two watt flights oh yeah
1: if i'm like doing chase stuff me and virgin will both go up to two you know just so we know we're good
0: yeah man i like i just cranked mine up to 500 a day for a flight and she starts making a whole different kind of sound even at mm-hmm. 500 just oh that yeah, like, do- woo, yeah yeah like when you weird. power it on <laughs> yeah i start yeah. twitching um. Yeah. FPV antenna. usual, just out the back and up. Do you do you rock like one of the long yeah. antennas where you can get it up above your shit when you're face? Yeah, back I, around? I
1: have one of the 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 long um, lollipops. I actually told the the uh, 3 lady Libby Tang. She kept posting all these like short little lollipops for racing and stuff, but I left a comment. I'm like, well, what about us long rangers? We need a long one. And three days later, she posted a picture of it. Yeah, he's like, "Is this what you need?" I was like, "Exactly." They were like, "It was now two, you two steps
0: them. more in our manufacturing production setup."
1: Yeah, and now you can't even find them because they sold out everywhere.
0: Yeah, I got one. The Quad Me Motors people sent me out one, and I put it on the a quad, like the quad I flew today, and I get like definitely better video than I have on my usual TBS triumphs by a long shot.
1: Yeah, and I started using them on my goggles, you know. And I got a long one on my goggles and my patch, and then, you know, I only need three. You know, I have two long-range quads that are dedicated to just, you know, not crashing into trees and stuff. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. Long-range like, quads are, like, a different, like, lifespan. Or, like, you know, they don't, yeah. they're not just bashers. It's either, you're like. You're not changing, it. yeah. Yeah, you're either changing everything or looking for it or it's Exactly, hard. exactly. Yeah, or you In have some I lucky ass. You know, like I dinged it off yeah, a rock and hit this tree lucky. and just landed perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's the next thing? Um, so that's what I was going to ask. So you rock, um, you don't rock a ground station. You're all goggles set up.
1: Yeah. But I, I, mean, I guess just like miles. to be mobile, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like to be mobile and I like to be able to, you know, get to where I'm going and then leave in, yeah. a, in a hurry, you know?
0: Definitely. Um, do you think like, I mean, you're pretty well versed in the long range or mid range setup? Do you think there's parts of flying mid or long range that are like overkilled or overhyped? Like people think they need more than they actually do to fly far. Um,
1: people think that they need a six inch quad to do mid range or long range. And that's completely not true. Yeah. Um, you can do it with the five inch. Just make sure you have good radio link. You don't even need crossfire, like run 2.4 or, you know. Even the R9, you know, it's working for some people, not all, but there's there's it's definitely gotten cheaper. You know, when I first started, you know, <laughs> they had the micro kit and then they had the full size. Now they have the light, which is, you know, doesn't have the Bluetooth. It's $50 cheaper. You know, it's it's all getting cheaper, which is, you know, great for the consumers. You know, maybe not so much for the companies, but the consumers, FPV is at a great spot right now.
0: Yeah, and I think so too and I think I mean like I think the companies are probably just, you know, banking on the fact that they had to look at it at a certain point and been like, okay, this cost X amount of dollars and we're getting like 10 new people into the biggest multi GP chapters at a time like every month. Like that's not a big enough pool to charge yeah. these prices on, you know? Like we need to lower it and get mm-hmm. more people in here. Mhm. Um do you, so what about the racing side? Like you got into FPV guy or Ishii and how'd you get in Yeah. So I used
1: to, I used to, uh, race dirt bikes. You know, I got a dirt bike that's sitting out back right now that I haven't touched since I picked up, you know, quads, but, um, and it's that same adrenaline factor. You know, you line up next to other, you know, people that are doing the same thing you're doing. They're just trying to get around the track as fast as they can. And, it brings back that, you know, sitting at the gate, waiting for the gate to drop on your dirt bike, hearing all the motors rev, you know, you just know it's what's about to happen, and it's just that release of energy, and it's very competitive, which is awesome. Like, I love being competitive, but at the same time, I like having fun. And racing for me, I always go out there to be as fast as I can be, but I'm never going out there to beat anyone on the track. Like, I'm always just racing myself. Yeah, it's got to beat the clock. I, yeah, you, you know, you race racing yourself. You know, uh, and one of the fastest pilots I know, his first piece of racing inv- uh, advice for me was, your first year racing, racing, um, the only opponent you should be worried about is yourself. And ever since you told me that, it just kind of stuck with me.
0: Yeah. How far into racing are you? Like, how far after you started did you get into racing pretty quick?
1: Yeah. Um, it probably took three or four months before I found other pilots that did the same thing i did and at that point it was just one guy and he was about the same level, level i was and we were pretty stagnant for maybe another three months and then i found a facebook group and uh, there was maybe like eight or nine guys in that group and they said that they were setting up gates at a park that i would go you know fly at and i went out there and met them and i remember hitting gates for my first time and just some pool noodle gates but i instantly was like okay this is awesome you know and then as time went on i met more people into the w around here um i met spoony j i met virgin um, virgin i met him at uh we have this annual race here in grand junctions called drones in the desert <clears throat> it's a multi-gp event and he brought his uh gas plane out there and he was flying his gasser around and And uh, he had a couple FPV setups, but he wasn't really into it, you know. And then he started hanging out with us, showing up to our, you know, weekend meetups or whatever. And before you knew it, he had a couple race quads going. He had a freestyle quad. And then, you know, he picked up Crossfire. As soon as I started flying mountains, he was like, all right, that's what I need to do, you know. And he instantly just kind of found his niche of, you know, ripping mountains,
0: yeah. Super rad. Um, what's your best result in racing?
1: Um, so locally, you know, I can win locally on a good weekend, but it's only 10 of us. Yeah. Um, when I go to, when I go to like an event like, um, Quadtoberfest in Denver, I think last year, those 56 pilots entered and I think I was 13th or 14th or something. Okay. And then down there, down there in Vegas, uh, I had some issues with my race quad, so I didn't uh, race my 5-inch race quad. I ended up racing my freestyle setup. Um, I think I got 15th out of 36 pilots, and then in the 3-inch class, I got 5th out of 20. So
0: That's pretty good. Um, I just go out there to have fun,
1: you know, and get around the track.
0: Yeah, have you felt, like, direct correlations of, like, it making you better? Like, I mean, obviously it's going to make your skill better, but do you think it just gives you, like, more confidence and, like, deliberate control when you're out there far away?
1: When when I'm, um, say when I'm, like, I really like, like tree ripping. You know, I haven't
0: been doing much of that lately just
1: because of the scraggle, but my favorite, you know, freestyle is trees. And doing that a lot, um, I know how to line up gaps properly and, you know, no time stick movements to work in your favor and i took that into racing and racing has taught me to go faster through these said gaps you know and same with like the long range the long range you have to choose your line carefully um you know have it you know intentional you know something i really can't stand in like a uh, an fpv video is like unintentional stick movement Dude, you? you know they're just kind of move, moving the sticks around willy-nilly like that doesn't show anything. It shows you can move your fingers, you know. But when when I see, like, really skilled, precise movements in the sticks, that's the kind of stuff that stands out to me.
0: Yeah, hands down, bar none for me, too. Like... Sometimes I'll be impressed with, like, some of the most simple maneuvers from, like, some kid I've never heard of. But when it's, like, super clean and it just, like, lines it up. Absolutely. Versus, like, the craziness through a park where it's, like, you can tell the person's just hanging on and reacting to everything instead of, like, making the call. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um what about, so you said you race a three inch and then I also noticed that on YouTube you had like a like a cinematic cinewhoop kind of video. Was it like the yeah, classic it's, it's the
1: same it's it's the same, so my three inch that I raced is just basically my Cinewhoop. I have a three inch floss uh, version one. And I just put a Hero Seven mount on it. Uh running, you know, trying to hobby six fifties and that thing is so much fun because it's so quiet and you can fly it anywhere and it's not going to, like, scare people off. Yeah. And But it still, you know, will carry that camera around and, you know, it's tiny so you can, it can hit tinier gaps and you can fly it closer to people. It doesn't have the prop guards like the squirt does, but I'll be getting a squirt soon. Um, that three-inch floss has seen better days. That yeah. last video I did at the abandoned building and took a digger from pretty high up.
0: Straight on the concrete and went through the arms. Oh, man. Yeah, I want to get a squirt super bad, too. I have, like, a three-inch that I kind of, I just, like, in Google's ketchup made some prop cards for and messed around with it. They're more like I can bump into a walls, but it's definitely not saving anybody's fingers kind of prop cards. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the squirts look awesome because, it, you know, like, I would just have, like, no fear, really. Like, yeah, someone could get their fingers in there, but, like, you know, I'm not going to not <laughs> disarm it if shit's going weird.
1: Yeah, so when we were in Vegas last, uh, Ben Ben got us a suite at the Hard Rock. And Kelly, um, one of the team pilots, he has a squirt. And he flew it down the hallway inside the hotel, chasing um, Spoonie J on the one wheel.
0: No one said anything? or?
1: Nope. We, we were super surprised. Dude, we had uh, both our doors open, and we made a whoop track in the room, and we were going out in the hallway back in. That's awesome. All night, like, people would walk by, and they would, like, look in, like, man, what are they doing in there? And then they would see, like, a little drone come by. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is about hotels, but they're just such, like, exciting places to whoop in. Like, you got the longest hallways and stuff. Yeah.
1: It was Vegas, too, to where, like, it's so crazy. Like, as long as you're not breaking shit,
0: no one cares. Dude, this is, like, on the lower, haven't you seen the hangover? Like, Mike, we're good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. exactly we actually took um he has uh one of those little um newbie drone brushless new ones the little tiny ones and he was flying that around in the hotel lobby like right by the check-in desk <laughs> and he ended up hitting some he hit some guy and the lady came out from under the behind the desk and was like you guys can't do that and so we just picked up our stuff and went up to the room yeah
0: Nobody i'm sure she's like I, this wasn't in the orientation like, yeah. <laughs> how do I handle this setup? Have you seen that new, yeah. uh, what do you would call it, the Beta 85 HD thing? It's like the 3-cell, yep. a little bit bigger. Booney
1: J has the Beta 85 without the HD recording. It's just got the FPV cam on it, but I flew it, and man, that thing is so much fun to fly.
0: Yeah, I really want to I have a 75, but I just use it to play with my dog. It's like the perfect around-the-yard yeah. quad, but I really want to get yep. one of the HD ones because I think it would be fun to, like creep up trees like you know real slow flying like jesse does with tiny sometimes and stuff like that absolutely it's a whole different like you know I, I don't know how you are but i don't get like bored with fpv but i kind of have to like you know crazy freestyle session at the park go run some long range laps get creative with oh, like a dude, small I'm drone the same way
1: i'm the yeah. same way like I, I don't put out two long range videos back to back usually because you gotta change it up you can't just give people the same thing every time
0: yeah, you, like, you upload the video, you feel satisfied, you're more. like, all right, cool, all right, I can do the next thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, and actually,
1: today will be, be the last time I, so I was doing an edit of the day challenge, basically, basically to myself. Yeah, like I was gonna ask days. you about that.
0: I saw your, like, what was that, number 38 was your last one or whatever? Yep, yep. And did you, like, did you stack footage for that and just edit it every day, or did you fly every day? So...
1: So, um, I definitely stacked and edited and scheduled. Um, You know, like when I was gone on that 10-day trip, I did enough editing beforehand to where I had an edit dropping every day when I was gone. And then, you know, right when I got back, I was just right back into it. You know, but it it helped me um, a lot with my workflow in Premiere, which is awesome. That's kind of my goal, was to just kind of hone in on the skills that I already had and kind of speed up the process. And now that I've, you know, done that, I'm going to take my time and I'll probably do like two or three a week. Um, but I want to actually just like make them that little bit more professional looking, you know?
0: Yeah, the kind of like, for me, the biggest thing is like leaving it for a day or two and then rewatching it. And a lot oh, of the times, the you biggest have so thing is. So many that, more ideas. Yeah, so many more ideas. And then sometimes it makes you realize that some parts actually are good because when you're staring at it, like editing for hours, you start to like Absolutely. desensitize. I'm sure you feel the same thing like. I don't know if you just DJ or if you ever, like, produce music, but if you just, like, listen to the same song for, like, more than three hours, you just got to take a break because it just starts to sound different mm-hmm. than it actually is.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was probably my biggest uh, um, issue with uh, music production was uh, that it would just take so long, and it feels like you're not very getting very far, you know, when, when it really you are. But like you're saying, you just have desensitized yourself on that project that you've been trying to fire out. And realistically, you can't just make a song in a few days. It takes a weeks, if not months, you know, to really produce quality music. And this, that's why I like video editing is um, it, it's like a, it's spread out more. Like it's not all at once. Like you're you're out making the content to edit. You know, you're filming and you're getting ideas, and then you can sit down and put it all out. And it's visually there. You know, so it's it's it was a little bit easier for me to latch onto.
0: Um, yeah, and I think you get more so like the, than
1: music production.
0: Yeah, I think like unlike you know in music you don't get the visual cues like you do exactly. with video. And with music, like with both, it can be t- tough sometimes to you know do like the classic. This painting is now done. Like you could edit it or change it forever. And at least with FPV, you can like visually be like, okay, that's how I imagine it. But with music, sometimes you get like maybe I could pull that a few yeah. more hertz down, or like you know fade that a little different. It's, it's just, like
1: you you go crazy. Yeah, and and it doesn't seem like that much at first, but once you truly dive into it, it's like endless. There's endless things you can do and you could just go crazy. You know, so yeah, I like really like I enjoy video editing um and telling the story with inside the edit as much as flying the quads, you know. I really do.
0: Yeah, I think I like I did a watched a lot of your YouTube videos today and I think that telling the story and flying is key like your videos don't seem very vloggy it's more of like an informative like introduction or dialogue to like help with the story yeah, I'm, I'm just
1: letting everybody know exactly
0: yeah you're not like yo I'm going to the bank I, I got a latte like you know yeah exactly it's more like we're gonna go do this thing with these base jumpers check it out yeah which is way better
1: yeah
0: um what how long were like your average uh daily edits was it like instagram level posts
1: oh no it 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 varied anywhere from you know one pack two to three minutes you know with no cuts some cuts all the way up to 13 minute halfway vlog uh type videos you know just kind of varied i was just sitting on a lot of footage from um spring and summer like i I remember hitting a point. when the trees were still green or yellow, and I was like, okay, like, you've got to save this footage for winter so you're not just putting out scraggle content all winter long. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to plan ahead. Put it and in the
0: crockpot. It
1: kind of worked out. Exactly. And it was kind of cringeworthy because I, like, went from my 7, um, and editing 7 footage, to going back to, like, editing session footage. Yeah. And you, you really think the Session 5 is, like, the greatest camera ever, until you like watch some, you know, 4K, 60 Hero Seven sunset footage, and you're like, okay, oh. I'm not gonna fly a session anymore, you know.
0: Yeah, and I feel like a seven too. It's like having a bigger quiver. Like it, it, it has so many options. I feel like it's so much easier to capture Absolutely. different moments. Like before the seven, I didn't really like change my GoPro settings for like every spot. Like for different Nobody settings, did. change frame rates. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm like, oh, I got to have, like, this frame rate for this. I'm chasing that. I want this. Finger
1: shutter speed, you know, depending on light, you know.
0: And that's another big thing. You were mentioning people that have, like, deliberate flying catching your attention more. I think people that have proper GoPro settings also. Because you can tell when someone's just got it, like, you know. Yeah.
1: When, like, the auto, you know, is really messing up, you can tell that, you know, like, when all the trees are really black and then the sky is really white. Yep. You know, it's kind of
0: off-putting, but... Yeah, when it's done
1: right, you know.
0: And it doesn't take that, like for me it seemed so daunting before I really started to notice it, but it's really like an extra minute before, like and not even every flight, it's like I show up to a new spot and then I can just set up my GoPro and then go.
1: Yeah, and if anything, just take a little test, you know, clip. Take five minutes and, you know, record something, see how it looks, go into the dark, into the light, you know, and play back. That's the handiness of those screens on the back.
0: Yeah, the screens are awesome for sure. Do you ever have issues with like, f- you know, flying in a place with a lot of elevation change? Like, I'll find that it, you know it's hard to set the settings when I'm down in a shaded canyon and I'm going to be cresting a ridge oh, line yeah. where shade like the is, sunset. Shade
1: is probably my biggest shade is is a big you know um, bummer for me. I always like the sun. Uh, the more I fly, the longer I'm in this, the more I only like to fly at golden hour, you know, unless I'm out like. Doing something where, like, I just have to get there and get it done. Otherwise, if I have a choice, you know, I'll wait until that lighting is right. It just makes it... It's the natural progression of
0: getting picky, I think. Like, Schizo was saying it, too. Like, for him, he's like, the wind's got to be low. It's got to be good lighting. Like, you know, everything. Because otherwise, you get back, and you watch your footage. Because at that point, you're... You know you could do better.
1: Absolutely. And you're you're just like, you know you can do better. But if you just, like, put yourself in the correct state of mind with the correct conditions and just find that flow that's what it's about you know
0: do you like you know pre-think your flights a little bit like look at the ridge line and be like all right i'm gonna go around that boulder head in that general direction come back down this line
1: yeah if um if i'm at like a new spot uh my first pack is like the most boring pack you'll ever see ever i just (laughs) stay high and just I'm, like, going, and then I kind of cut back and just kind of look where I came from. I go a little bit further, I cut back, saw where I came from, and you just got to keep doing that. Yeah. And, you know, run that whole pack out, you know, and and then after you do that, do that same line, but go one way, you know, and then you could, you know, come back, but just know where you're at. That's, like, the biggest tip I could say for anybody is
0: just know where you're at. You need those turnaround points, too, because, like, the first time you ever fly far away and you turn around and you have that wide-angle FPV lens, it feels like you're jumping into cold water. You're just like, <gasps> it's so far.
1: Uh, when, yeah, when I was down in Huntington, I um, I was kind of bummed that I didn't record this pack. Something happened with my GoPro that day. Um, I only got a couple of packs, but uh, I went 5,000 feet out, you know, over the ocean. And
0: I 5,000 around. feet
1: out? Yeah, yeah. Like and yeah, I turned around, mile. dude. I turned around, and I think my OSD said 5,800 feet, but I was, like, a little bit back from the shoreline. So it was about a mile, you know. And my mill amp said 550, you know, and I was rocking a 1,500, and I usually discharge to, like, 1,000 or 1,100. And I had wind coming back. So, like, I didn't think I was going to make it back, but I finally made it back, and just enough battery left like it was perfect
0: would you Couldn't land that
1: any, any um uh, 11 11 or something milliamps. you know and that's usually what i aim for
0: is like a thousand or eleven 1, hundred so it was right there dude that would have been i would have been like sweaty palms the whole thing because you're basically just like oh i you totally know, sit down and watch yourself die <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> exactly you, there's nothing you can do at that point you're just gonna watch it go down you know
0: yeah i had i like, it wasn't a battery thing, but I had a TBS G2 one time, like, a mile out, just, like, an ESC burnt out, and it just started spiraling to the ground. And I, I was probably, like, 500 uh, feet off the ground, so I had, like, a good 12 seconds of just, like... <laughs> you just watch it. Yeah, you just like, watch it. you know, hitting the arm switch, trying everything. It just changes how it's flipping. Mm-hmm. And that 12 seconds felt like two minutes. uh uh-huh. Yeah, that happened to
1: Copper Top. Copper Top was uh, flying down to Moab, and he like crossed the Colorado and was flying on like an opposite cliff. And he like was diving, and he saved and he started tumbling, and he re- regained control, and he hit the ground and tumbled down the mountain, landed right side up, rearmed, and flew back.
0: Whew. How was the quad looking it had after? Been a lost quad. Fine, dude. Some guardian angel Sometimes up there somewhere. Sometimes you get
1: lucky. Yep sometimes you get lucky
0: yeah there's definitely sometimes you get lucky and i mean sometimes you get real unlucky too but in fpv i think you can kind of make your own luck a little bit you know like we have all these ways totally, to totally. minimize risk um and it's like yeah. the fpv long range bible dvr fucking everything
1: if you you don't dvr on your long range then you're you don't long range you know like yeah you it's just, like the only tool that has saved all my quads like when i lose something And I have DVR. I usually walk
0: right up to it. Yeah. Without
1: GPS, without a beeper, you know, like I usually just walk right
0: up to it. My nightmare is like... without DVR is... Losing video over a ridge. Without DVR, you're just... Yep, yep. No DVR. So Hellbent
1: Puppet came out here. Uh, Sean, he brought uh, Spirit Flyer out here, and Spirit Flyer was flying up on Mount Garfield. was not DVR and didn't have anybody in the goggles with him he got lost because he just went straight a mile away and turned around and didn't know where he needed to go and at one point he's like i'm lost and we all we're all like we can't do anything you know and we're like are you dvr and he's like no we're like there's nothing we can do and then he's just like yep it's down and we all look at each other like bro
0: DVR. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's so interesting losing a quad far away. Like, when it's far enough, to, you can't hear it crash or anything. It's just, like, no. the most uneventful but emotional experience ever. Like, it's, it's just, just take off the goggles, and it's, yeah, just <laughs> gone. <laughs> like,
1: Well, Spoony J lost one of his rigs in the river the other day. That was pretty sad, but he had a good spirit about it afterwards.
0: You guys are going to do, like, the, the jet go rent a wetsuit and spend half a week looking – in a river
1: (laughs) it's it was like in a pretty moving spot of the colorado it's it's probably in utah by now
0: yeah it's made its way yeah yeah what would i mean yeah it it was it was that gopro
1: that gopro was a year old he was about to expire the warranty at best buy and i kept telling him like dude you better go get that warranty upgraded or smash it with a hammer or something yeah it's like i'll just wait till you know wait till it breaks all right and, like, we were at this bando, and it was funny. I had my, my my digital camera going, my DSLR, and I could just tell he was, like, dancing around. He was all antsy, you know, his first time really ripping this spot. And it was right next to the river. Lots of metal, lots of concrete. So I'm like, I'm just going to start recording. I know something's going to happen. And I call it. I'm like, he's about to do something. I don't know what, but I better just record. And ten seconds later, he goes out this little hole, hits the tree, and he's in the river. And he's just like, river throws his arms up and instantly we're all like yep that's gone
0: yep peace out sayonara yeah it's been real um what about your djing man what kind of music do you dj
1: um so uh, here in town um depends on the event i'm doing um anywhere from like You know, deep house, techno to, um, you know, bass music, dubstep, trap, you know. It just depends on the night, the vibe, what time slot I'm playing. Um, I just gotta match the vibe. I feel like not many DJs here in town do that. Like, we'll have some guys open with, like, super heavy dubstep. And, you know, people walking in not drunk, they're not going to want that, you know. They want some, like, mellow shit that they can just start moving to, you know.
0: Definitely, it's like the FPV plague—the over-epic ep- music. Yep, dude, I
1: like. Uh, you know, it's it. I try to tell a story with through my music too, when I am DJing. and you know, it's never like one genre. I'm always playing different genres and trying to, you know, keep it interesting. You know.
0: Yeah, have you ever had the thought of like FPV footage being used for visuals? at shows.
1: Um. That's what I've been doing.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah! Yeah, awesome. man. Um. <laughs> Like, I'll, I'll, you know, through,
1: I'll do usually, like, a five-minute pre-planned little visual kind of presentation, and then the rest of it I'll just do, like, some, like, kaleidoscoped effect on some, you know, mountain footage or something, and I'm mess with the contrast or the hues, and it it doesn't even look like FPV footage by the time I'm done, you know, which, but I always, like, I'll always bring it back to, like, a scene of me just, like, flying over a cliff. So yeah, you yeah. can kind of, like, put it into context, you know.
0: That's super rad because, like, sometimes in Premiere, I'll just, like, put a couple mirror effects on something and just look at it and just yeah. be like, oh, this is just so visually cool. Like, especially flying in nature with all the textures through a kaleidoscope of the trees and rocks yeah. and whatnot. And I always, like, speaking yeah. of Red Rocks, been, you know, like, going to shows, been like, oh, man, it'd be so sick to see just, like, some shoot dive line from, like, the Alps, you know, with the mirror effect yes, on dude. it. Yep. It's super yep. sick.
1: Bandos, anything with, like, straight lines are really cool to throw the kaleidoscope effect. Yeah. over because it's it's very very symmetrical and you know you know geometric and you know i'm super into like that you know trippy ancient geometry style you know art yeah just fractals all day
0: yep yeah. um the 360 cam would be cool to mess with on that level you could probably oh, yeah, pull dude, some real absolutely. cool stuff out absolutely um what kind of shows do you go see at red rocks like what kind of I guess too. Also, um, like of the music you DJ, like what's your favorite? What are you into? Um, I like
1: you know anything that sounds good. I really like you know. I I'm not really picky with music. Like I DJ weddings too, so I like country music. You know, I like it all. But you know, when I DJ, it's usually just like you know really crispy quality uh, produced electronic music. You know, like some of my favorites are you know uh, Dead Mouse. He's a very good producer. You know. He's not so much of a DJ, but he's like a very good, you know, like his, all his music is very just crispy and clean. Um, You know, Seven Lions, Bass Nectar, that kind of stuff. Um, But I like Above and Beyond. Uh, I saw Bonobo at Red Rocks. That was cool. Chet Faker. That must Um, be cool.
0: That's pretty eclectic kind of vibe. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: Pretty Lights, you know, everything. PL Fam, shout out. Hell
0: yeah. yeah. Colorado, if
1: you, do you even live in Colorado if you listen, don't listen to Pretty Lights?
0: dudes, that was like six years of my life was going to that. Like I, I ended with the Red Rock show where we played with the orchestra. <clears throat> the one where he was like super Hell fucked yeah. up like maybe five years ago. And I was like, I got to call this. Like I'm grown out of this phase. <laughs> but uh, if you're into I music, it's – st- Go ahead.
1: Actually, yeah, I caught uh, his uh, Telluride show, Pretty Lights and Telluride. That See, was actually really cool. I had never, I'd never been to Telluride. And I showed up at night, and it was, like, we got on the gondola and just, like, went down into Telluride, and, like, the moon was full, and you could see, like, the pretty light stage, and it was awesome, you know? Awesome experience, for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Some, like, you were mentioning, like, Seven Lions, and if you're in music, people like that is... Like I don't, I don't understand how those guys like make those sounds and put them together sometimes in, into songs like that. Like that's that my whole, real. My,
1: that's that's my whole thing is you have to be next level like from the start. Like it does take a lot of hard work, but it has it takes that ear. Like you just have to have that ear and know what you're after and know how to produce that sound. Yeah, you know?
0: and you, like have just such a knowledge of sound where you can hear a sound and be like, put a sine wave on it at this Hertz okay you know you can like Mm paint with the sound a bit more but they're not even like notes anymore it's like you know Mm -hmm. just crazy effects and shit like that
1: yeah Um, and you know my to my top my favorites you know uh, bass nectar dead mouse and seven lines they're all different styles of music but they all all have that just quality production to them you know they're all three of those producers are you know masters of sound they can do whatever they want with sound and it's pretty awesome
0: those are all three shows that I'm pretty sure I've cried at. So for sure, great artists. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Like Deadmau5's Strobe, Unreal, love the long version. Bass yep. actor, yep. like literally plays subwoofers if you've ever seen them live. It were, doesn't even make sense. Were you at sense. the
1: Red Rock show? The deadmau Mouse Red Rock show? Were you there? No, you I saw him the...
0: in 2010 at the Fillmore, like way long ago. Oh, and Skrillex yeah. opened yeah. for him and it was yeah. just Skrillex with a table. Like no visuals, no yeah. lights, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. Re- were you there?
1: That's awesome, dude. <laughs> you
0: no, know, I I was in California at that time. Oh yeah, that's right. Six years. So yeah. Better. Um. But and then Brandy and I every year we try to go to see Illenium, and last year he played at Red Rocks, which was sick. Illenium
1: is another master of sound.
0: Yeah. You also, know, he's just, really good. I don't know how those dudes do it. Like that whole melodic dubstep kind of genre of just. Yeah. It's just... I mean, I'm pretty sure they just yeah. chop vocals and then create harmonies from the vocal chops and then just do, like, 130 hours of work on it on top, but... Literally, next level it
1: takes that long, you know? Yeah, yeah. you
0: see their, their like, their uh, which DAW files open sometimes, you know? They'll yeah. post and be, like, They're finishing Ableton up files? a track, yeah. and I'm like, what are you doing with, like, 112 tracks in Ableton?
1: <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: It's crazy, you know, so... Do you, That's uh, off to all those guys, for sure.
0: Do you listen to music when you fly? Oh, yeah, dude. Headphones or speaker? Speaker. It's usually,
1: you know, you usually flying with somebody, whether it be Spoonie J or Virgin or somebody else, but we usually got the little portable Bluetooth speaker going. and It doesn't have to be loud. It just has to keep your fingers moving to the beat, you know?
0: Yeah, if I feel like sometimes when I like a sketch moment, it kind of brings me back. It like gives me something to like. I'll hear the beat for a second and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: Uh, and I always try to have that like internal metronome working when I whenever I am flying. You know, I'm always trying to like do my stick corrections. You know, on like a half time halftime or drones, basically. Basically, just something you know, so you know you can uh, edit it up pretty easy later. You know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever tried, like, the, like, you know, set of beats or, like, full headphones on full blast? Like, no noise of anything?
1: Um, I've, I've tried that, but I have to be, like, I'm, i am i got to be aware. Like, because these things still are dangerous. And if I can't tell what's going on around me, I will hold back, in a sense, you know? like
0: Yeah, it's like a mental... Yeah, hiccup or, like, yeah, uh, you know, you're always thinking about it. Like, on days like that, I find, like, I still fly similar lines and do similar tricks, but I'm not, like, quite as low to the ground. I'm not tucking it quite as close yeah. to that tree. I'm just, like, a little off when shit like that's going on. It's
1: because you're you're focused on, you know, like, maybe something yeah. might happen versus what's going on right this second, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I do it, I have to do it with, like, Brandy, you know, like a field where you can see and I'm, like, you know, she's, yeah, exactly. like, tap me on the shoulder or just ripped the headphone out of my ear
1: yeah
0: yeah totally yeah um in the mountains it freaks me out like the day i lost that g2 i had my goggles on and i was like a mile out and i heard something move behind me and i was just like it was like 6 a.m in the rockies just on a dirt road somewhere by myself and i was like you know it, was, it just like what do i do right like is what is behind me it could just be a chipmunk but yeah, what
1: can yeah what can
0: you do you know yeah don't
1: lose your quad yeah
0: <laughs> Did you uh, read about that guy in Fort Collins last week that strangled a mountain lion?
1: I was just about to bring that up, dude. Yeah, that is
0: crazy. Dude, so he hasn't released, like, any, put like, who he is or, like, his personal story about it or anything, but, dude, that is just so burly. That's some manly, manly shit right there, you know? Yeah, and then to drive yourself to the hospital. Like, I can't imagine someone yeah. finding that just being like, is that just a dead mountain lion in the trail? And there's, like, some blood around. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just choked out
0: yeah badass uh we're dude well that brings it to an hour i think we'll wrap it up there uh super good episode man i appreciate you doing this i know you had the double stack uh hot dog fpv live stream which when i booked you guys i had no idea. Like, i like that wasn't even a thought and then i was talking to ben and he was like yeah we, you, like you mentioned the live stream he's like I, I got the live stream and i was like oh man i got like the hot dog crew on the next two weeks
1: <laughs> well basically uh my week is filled up with live streams if i'm not on them i'm like watching them whether it be like so we got like the misfits i want to give them a shout out the fpv misfits uh, youtube channel go check them out they stream on mondays and saturdays basically they just uh play you know videos of viewers you know you can send it in your link they instantly make you a uh, moderator so you can drop your links in the chat and uh it's cool, you know, it gets, it helps build your channel. It, it gets you, you know, really interactive with the community. Um, and then the Tuesday nights, um, we have the UFDA crew uh, shit show. We've had all kinds of guests. Um, we had Steel on last week. Um, we, we have Zoro on all the time. Zoe's a big part of it. Um, we've had Capper, um, Drew. Yeah, we've had the whole crew, you know. And oh, yeah. Wednesday nights, I, I do uh, live editing um, on my channel. And then uh, Thursday nights, we have the hot dog stream. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty.
0: Dude, that's a stacked schedule, week. man. I feel like a lazy yeah, asshole keeps over me here. by my... <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, you got a good thing going. I, I like listening to these. I remember, uh, I think Sean uh, was the first one I listened to. And then I think you did one with Richard. And...
0: Yeah, Richard. You got a good
1: thing going. I like this.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. You got a good thing going with your footage. Uh, any sponsors you want to plug also? Yeah,
1: uh, definitely Richard at Comfort Builders. Uh, dude has done a lot for uh, my style of flying. Um, he's kind of paved the way for me to do what I have been doing on these badass Colorado mountains. Um, Hot Dog FPV, Ben and Stephanie, um, they're amazing. You, you can't ask much more than what they're doing for the community, uh, basically taking handmade items and sharing them with everybody, and it's It's probably the best $20 um, upgrade you can can do for your goggles. Um, And uh, China Hobby Line, they make some awesome packs. They keep me supplied with uh, enough juice to keep some awesome footage going for you guys.
0: Uh, That's the
1: sponsors. That's my spiel. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. Have a good night. And if you ever hit this side of the divide, hit me up. Next time I come over there, I'll be sure to hit you up. I promise. Sounds good, man. Have a good night.